Let me introduce you to my panel this morning. Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party. Tara Buckley, Director General of RG Data, the Retail Grocers Representative Association. And Brendan Keenan, columnist with the Irish Independent. Good morning and you're all very welcome to the studio. Mm. Now, to look at the papers. All the broadsheets are in unison that the big story today is Apple. The Irish Independent is even telling us they have nine pages in news and also in the business section covering this. And their main headline is that ministers now warn that budget is in jeopardy. Philip uh, Ryan is telling us that Fine Gael are accusing Ross of showboating. We should be talking about that later. And below the fold also we have Brendan O'Connor sitting in judgment on grief, which is he's writing about that sh- uh, shocking five, those shocking five deaths in Cavan. And there's a photograph of the funeral there as well on the front page of the Indo. In the Sunday Times, revenue kept Apple tax deal from Cabinet. This is a former Taoiseach Bertie Ahern. He's telling us that, uh, told the Sunday Times that revenue never made any finance minister aware of arrangements with Apple. Uh, and also, they're also on the front page there, there's Asylum Seeker Appeal was a second X case. This is a revelation from a book published during the week by Rowan McCormack uh, about the Supreme Court says that back in 1999, there was a, a near miss on another X case from an asylum seeker who was refused a secondary entry by uh, into the state, uh, but it was reversed at the last minute after government or ministerial representation. Wonder does Eamon Ryan know anything about government or ministerial representations? And in the Sunday Business Post, uh, they go with sweetheart ideals, and the eye is like the eye in your iPhone, and they have three sub bullets on that. Brussels will target other tax deals. State to shut venture fund loopholes, or sorry, vulture fund loopholes, I should say. And Apple co-founder says they should pay up and Britain to ex, uh, to exploit Ireland's weaknesses. And uh, a side story there as well that David McWilliams is saying that the Apple ruling is a moment of choice for Ireland, a pivotal fork in the road. And the two tabloids that are to hand is the mail on Sunday how could all this goodness be so uh, be destroyed this is writing about the that uh, cav- those cavern debts and in the Sunday world it's about crime uh, gangland uh, the miracle getaway how a wo- have a go hero help foil Dutch uh, or Hutch hit so we will start with Apple and nowhere else Brendan what are you making of it you're the financial expert here well, as you say, it's a, it's a veritable orchard out there today. And uh, sorry about that. And it's hard to know where to start. But I might start with something that um, actually hadn't occurred to me uh, either, and that's uh, mentioned in the um, by Ian Kyo in the uh, Sunday Business Post. And this Apple deal dates back to 1991. But he's saying that uh, it was due to the introduction of the 10% manufacturing rate of profits tax Mm. instead of zero tax on exports. What he doesn't mention is that that happened because the European Union struck down the zero tax on exports. So this is going back the same issue to 1991. And according to him, uh, Apple was obviously kind of pretty concerned that they were going to zero from 10%. They weren't the great world bestriding company then. And that's when this deal originated. It's also the case that the 10% was later struck down as well by the EU as favouring manufacturing. And to Brussels and the world's astonishment, Ireland decided that everybody should have 12.5%, banks and everybody. 
and uh, they, they never expected that. So they have been after our corporate tax regime uh, since the 1990s, and this is the latest uh, episode and possibly the final episode. Isn't, this a, and isn't that the kind of sub-team to everything the government has been saying all week? This is going after our corporate tax rate by another route. Yeah, but they haven't actually proved that case. One of the odd things to me is I think the Commission and Commissioner Verstager, from their point of view, made a huge mistake in starting to talk about tax avoidance. Tax avoidance is not a competence of state aid. And they have two very good cases on state aid. The main one being that the rules say that any arrangements between subsidiaries have to be similar to those of normal business arrangements. They have to be arm's length. And they're saying that the Apple deal wasn't. And you can see why they would say that. But she's the one who started banging on uh, about the fact that uh, there was this terrible tax avoidance that the Commission, as it is in another part of the Commission, is bringing forward yet again, uh, try to get in a new system of corporate taxation. That's not her affair. And in a way, I'm kind of glad she did because it actually opens the debate much wider. But I'm really surprised that she did. If she had simply said, look, I'm the state aid commissioner. As far as we're concerned, this extraordinary arrangement where Apple had a company that had no people and no tax residents is not normal business and therefore it breaks the rules. Should have left it at that. Yeah, but do you believe that that's where the loophole is or that's where the kind of, when they appeal, that's where the success could lie? Well, the fact the go- that she opened it up Well, the government way? has then gone, in my opinion, rushing into the same trap They shouldn't say that either, right? They should fight on the narrow ground uh, of is the Apple arrangement contrary to state aid and refuse to discuss the corporate tax regime, refuse to let it into the debate. On the basis that tax competency is a national... Entire tax arrangement is a national competency as per per, uh, the Lisbon 2 agreement. But I mean, Ms. Verstager's thing about that France might be owed money and Italy might be owed money and America might be owed money, you know, that's... That was that was an opening uh, for Ireland, I think, to say, stop all that nonsense. You know, did they break the state aid rules or not? We say they didn't, and that's all that concerns you, madam. Well, Tara, what sticks out for you this morning in the coverage? <laughs> it's not easy to find anything, <laughs> well, I, I, anything I, I new, like, um, I suppose. Pat Rabbit's comment in, in yeah. his column in the Sunday Business Post, and he rem- remembers Bertie Hearn saying, don't upset the apple tart. Uh, yeah. And it was one of his mantras. Um, I mean, it seems to me that Ireland has got caught in the crossfire of a battle between Europe and the US for who will be the world's global power. And in the midst of all of that battle, we're taking our eye off the fact that China and India and all these other countries are racing up behind and becoming the biggest well, economies all, in the looking world. At, looking at there, they're all together now on the screens. They're all, all those guys together with the G8 somewhat now at the minute. So I think it's, it's a reflection of the, we see Europe differently than maybe some of the mandarins in Europe and um, some of the France, Germany, some of these countries that are, um, you know, they want to regain their great, uh, power, powerful status and that's not going to happen. Um, I, I liked Joe Duffy in the Mail on Sunday. He said, it's not Apple that's rotten, it's our awful tax system. And to be honest with you, I do think that there's an awful lot of ordinary taxpayers out there who are frustrated at the large multinationals and the, the, the small amounts of tax that they appear to pay. Yeah, we'll come to that later on because I think that is actually kind of a, a sidewash of the whole thing. We're all noticing how little others pay and how much we actually pay from our thing. I think that could feed into budgets and all that kind of stuff later on and a lot of public disquiet. But more of that later on, what were the government right to appeal, which seems to be the decision now? I don't think the government had any... Op- uh, 
any any op- op- opportunity anything except appeal. Yeah, why, so, uh, why, why is it to do with reputation, or no, do you I, I, think that no, we will get the money eventually? No, no, I think it's bought out of our tax affairs. Yeah. So we have to make a strong stance. This is not where Europe should be putting its nose in. Uh, Europe is trying to get involved in too many things that should be the, in the control of the sovereign government, not Europe. Well, that is aiming up nicely, because you've been writing, I suppose, somewhat to the contrary, Eamon, in mm. the business section of the Independent today. No, I you're... think, yeah, no, I can I beg to differ? And uh, you think the world is falling apart. And what's happened? It, uh, the, the injustice of what has been going on has been exposed. It is not right that corporations, the most profitable corporation in the world with a 200 billion cash pile, was paying no tax. Mm. It's not right that we facilitated, and we did, we were part of the facilitation. We were not an innocent victim and or, or an innocent party in this whole process. It's connected to the fact that we had to completely refix our whole uh, economic figures recently. We had a 26% increase in GDP because I believe if you look, we, when, when we go into the weeds of that, and no one, we don't have the final details, first of all. We have to wait the 130-page judgment. But I bet you behind that readjustment was Apple trying to clean up the act before this was all exposed in terms of being honest, in terms of what the level of act- economic activity was. So, and it's a good thing that that's been exposed for basic, the common good, the just. And listen, European Commission, they do state aid rules all the time. As a minister, you're dealing with them all the time. Most of the time, you'd be given out by the Commission, their fixation on competition. They don't take into account environmental or social justice. But actually, on the, and mostly you think they're looking after the big guys. In this case, they're looking after the small guys. Small yeah, but, but, hey, but, but, can you not reflect back to, you know, when these rules, whether they're right or wrong, mm. now that's to be, you know, judge, a judge at some other case, right or wrong, they came in for a reason and actually put legs under our table when we had oh, collapsed. Without, without doubt. Without and it has created an awful lot of employment and all with, of that. Without doubt. But, uh, and we still need that. And we still need to be good at foreign direct investment and trading. Like, we have to succeed. Oh, Lamas and Whitaker were right, like, you know, to open up the country and to be good at this, as well as we need to start having our own enterprise as well. But, but just on that basis, we have to be careful about our reputation because trade depends on trust. And if we're seen as a tax haven rather than as a place you can trust, a place that's straight, and we are by and large a straight country, a straight place to work. Uh, but if we don't allow that, look after that reputation, we will lose. I'm reading David McWilliams in the front of the Sunday Business Post this morning, and it's like a Brexit argument in terms of we have to leave Europe, we have to be part of this new Atlantic arrangement and be kind of cut but, off. But, but, Eamon, but don't you not see that some people are actually saying that's why Brexit happened, this, this European interference. I know the big, the big ticket item in Britain at the time was the immigration, but this is becoming a big ticket item yeah, here, okay, well, let's interference. Just, let's just look slightly wider out than the sphere of what's going on. Okay, we, we go that Brexit option, let's say, if we, if we take David's advice. And what's happening there? Britain says, we're going to do new trade deals with the rest of the world and we're going to, the, the kind of, the, the Raj is going to rise again pretty much is what they seem to think is going to be their economic opportunity. Um, and in the papers today, what they're reporting from that meeting in China is the Americans are being consistent in saying, I'm sorry, we won't deal with you, Britain. You'll have to wait until we do a trade deal with the EU first. That's what's happening in the world. So we have to be part, we have to place ourselves within that environment. And part of the change is a recognition both in America and in Europe that that trading environment where corporations don't pay their fair share is no longer right. And we should not, that's why I'm saying we shouldn't have defended the case because ultimately it would be better to hands up admit, say, okay, it was wrong. And in doing that, you're restoring your reputation overnight rather than being stuck in a five-year legal row, which you're going to be now. 
and we continue, we will continue to be successful. But, but, Eamon, but aren't we going to be in the five-year legal row anyway because Apple are going to appeal it? So therefore, everything, the money goes into this escrow account and we all wait on the outcome, yeah. whether we're party to it or not. Yeah, but the government, I mean, they said two things on Friday in, their, in making their decision. They said they would appeal. Uh, I don't think we'll win is another reason why uh, I think maybe it's not very clever. But secondly, they said we want to lead in terms of tax justice. It's a bit like that. Was that Augustinian principle, oh Lord, make me virtuous, but not quite yet. Well, let's wait five years. Nah, that's not the clever business approach, I don't think. Brendan Eamon wants to appeal, or doesn't want to appeal, you want to appeal. You think we've no choice. Tars, yeah, yeah. There's, always, there's always a choice, yeah. but no, I think, I think they're, they're right to appeal. Uh, as you, what I was saying was they, they should appeal on the actual grounds, you know, uh, that the Apple arrangements uh, were p- a legitimate part of international tax arrangements. I mean, this is, I, mean, I agree, everybody, a lot of people would agree with an awful lot of what Eamon says about the international problem of tax avoidance. But we should not <clears throat> muddy that uh, with Ireland, right? Mm. As if Ireland was the pivot on which international tax avoidance hinges. No, now, the Commission the is Dutch proposing, the, the Commission is proposing, uh, and has been proposing for six or seven years, uh, a new system of corporate taxation, which would certainly greatly damage Ireland's position, but would apply to everybody. But it has always been rejected by governments. And this is a matter for governments. So I think Ireland should, as I say, put that to one side and say our position, you know, on tax avoid and tax arrangements, we will deal with when it comes up. And Ireland has opposed those things. But we do not accept uh, that uh, the, the the Apple arrangement broke state aid because if it did break the state aid arrangements, right, then all of Ireland's uh, tax arrangements with multinationals fall apart overnight. Can I, can I just kind of because it's not inherently different yeah, from all the others. And this is complicated, which makes it difficult to explain. Even and, and you're right. Okay, but. We can't avoid now looking at the bigger picture and, as you say, the wider issue. And what there was one of the issues is around transfer pricing here, which is how the profits are actually created in the first place. Those rules are going to change. I think we can still succeed as a country, particularly, I think, as those offshore, far offshore um, Bermuda and Cayman Islands, as those schemes shut down, I think we will get intellectual property. Would you not accept, Eamon, the narrow question of Owens, that if we had decided not to appeal, we had, in fact, conceded the case, we'd be out of the debate? I personally personally think that the Commission's case stands up, so that's why I But, Eamon, if we don't appeal, we also concede the point that there's probably a dodgy practices going on here and that we fit into the same same breadth as Bermuda and the Cayman Islands and all I'm, these I'm, kind of tax I'm, havens, yeah. which we we got very upset well, if we were mentioned. Yeah, but you know what the double Irish is? Yeah. It's part of sending it off to the Cayman Islands and Bermuda. I'm sorry, we are but, part of that is, that, you know, they're, they're applying rules now going back. That's yeah, part okay, of the but, problem. Yeah, but, but, but we need to stop it. And, and just a point, if I can finish the point, I think as those far offshore ones come, I think it'll bring more business to Ireland. We're not going to lose out on this in the end. But, but as Tony Connolly said, Tony Connolly wrote a very good article today outlining how... This is not the first case. The Santander Bank case in Spain was very similar. There are a number of other cases. But, in, and it won't be the last case here. No, That's the worry, isn't it? No, but just the, the, that this change is happening anyway. If we just see ourselves as the victim, we were the only ones signaled out. Yes, this was in scale, the biggest profit, the biggest example. And yes, maybe they're using it as a test case because it's so high profile. This is the most profitable company in the world. But if we just play 
kind of uh, hurt in a sense and kind of oh we're twice the driven snow and how dare you we will miss out in terms of what we strategically need to do next which is in my mind still be part of the European Union still be part a centre for foreign direct investment while also developing our own enterprise but doing it on fair trade rules rather than foul rules which is what we're in place Tara would you be worried as representative of RG Data now that you know this idea that the uh, England could try and exploit this with uh, you know when they when they move out when Brexit happens well, obviously the biggest concern about Brexit at the moment is the sterling, the, the, you know, the, the difference between sterling and for the people in the grocery trade. That's a big issue because the costs um, and uh, it's making life quite difficult um, for, for grocers. Uh, margins are extremely tight. It's a very competitive marketplace here. Well, so a lot of your, lot of your uh, clients, they actually service a lot of these multinationals. So, for example, if these multinationals started looking across the Irish Sea, started moving over there that's a, a detrimental effect to you Oh no absolutely and for many towns in Ireland the big multinational is hugely important and the, the jobs they provide are hugely important I think you've also got to remember though that there's you know the vast majority of jobs in this country are provided by small Irish businesses and a lot of them will be looking today and saying wow, I wish we could get the same tax terms as some of these big multinationals. So, you know, we have to remember that the core of employment in this country is small and medium-sized enterprises. I mean, in terms of the the retail grocery trade, 90,000 jobs. That's a lot of jobs all over this country. Now, I accept that they are serving people who work in large companies and a lot of multinationals involved there but too. But isn't that why this has to be appealed because it is a reputational issue fundamentally. You know, you can fix the tax arrangements but if, if we get mentioned in the same breath as these aforementioned tax havens well a lot of companies, you know, who major on, you know, social responsibility and see themselves as being philanthropists, they will not go to those agencies, to go to those countries, Ireland being one of them if we don't appeal this. That's a concern. And then the other concern, I suppose, is is how much interference EU has in the way we run our own country. So, Brian, you think too much interference, is it? Well, no. no. Um, I think, I mean, the problem with the European Union uh, is uh, the absolute lack of clarity. It is absolutely a half-finished building. And they keep putting more things into the half-finished building so it gets more rickety. Uh, There is not a proper framework of laws and constitution in the European Union. It's never been possible to construct one. And everything is made up as we go along. I mean, we saw that in the bailouts. Everybody was treated differently. Everybody was a separate issue. It could only be done by informal government meetings. And um, the role of the Commission, uh, in one sense, it's being weakened by the government's taking over more and more crisis management, and the Commission may be responding to that. On the other hand, uh, it's, it's, it's supposed theoretical role as merely uh, an administrative unit uh, which proposes laws and guards the treaties is becoming muddier and muddier as, as, as the thing expands. So um, I think, you know, this is the terrible dilemma. Um, you can only solve this uh, by having a proper federal arrangement which uh, is not uh, feasible and in the meantime and this is my argument in the meantime until that is done the European Union has to do as little as is necessary not more Europe less Europe otherwise it's all in trouble is a common federal view on this ever possible 
I'm not so sure that the response to this crisis and some multiple crises, Brexit and uh, this, uh, is to go towards more federal approach at this moment. I don't think Europe is. I don't think it would get there. I don't, would I don't it? think it would. I don't think the Commission is. Uh, uh, the Commission is a French type bureaucratic institution that needs reform. The Parliament, the Commission President, does not have the confidence of most people across. I was in Brussels during the week uh, talking to a whole range of different people. It's clear that neither the President of the Commission nor the President of the Parliament are leading at this present time. So there's real problems. Problems. But one of the ways to rectify that, before we start to look at big ideas about further federal or indeed about splitting away, which I think would be very damaging for our country, is to have a European Union which does not lose, as it does at the moment, one trillion euros every year in unpaid corporation tax, which is due. And if that money was there, you might have a stronger, more resilient and therefore more politically capable European Union because you wouldn't have, it would help us get it out of the economic stagnation we've had. So I think on this particular instance, while I know I'm just as much critic as anyone else of the European Union needs to be reformed and changed, actually starting by just having a fair taxation system, which allows us to fund the social and public and infrastructure. But isn't that Brendan's point? You cannot get to the, that fair taxation system because 27 countries are never going to agree and we will want to stick to our 12.5% which seems to but be the point of attack at the we, moment. And I think we should and I think we ultimately have that final veto. We're n- no one's saying that we're going to go towards tax harmonisation. We we have to avoid the risk that it, that it will just be a power back to the centre of Europe, particularly with, with, with Britain leaving. So we have to use that veto. But this ultimately will be decided, this issue, the particular Apple case, will be decided by the European Court of Justice, which actually I think I mean I agree with you a lot of what you said, Brenda, but actually I think the Court of Justice is actually now writing a lot of that precedent law. That is where our yeah, ultimate that, That's exactly court. the problem. There's nobody else to do it, and that's not the proper best place to do it. But it's yes, but if the political available. system is to provide similar leadership, firstly, you have to be able to fund it and have to restore public confidence in the political system, which has been diminished by the fact that some people aren't paying. And that's why this decision in the long run is for the common good, is for our long-term interests. Among if it's for the well, common the good... The idea that Europe as a whole is undertaxed uh, is a corporation bit bizarre. Yes, you, you, want yes. to, you want to switch some from companies to others. From people. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I go back, I go back to, I go back to my, my, my original point it's it, that has to be dealt with at a political level. Part of the problem is that it suits governments to leave it to the Court of Justice or the Commission to deal with these things, and then it never works out properly. Uh, if they cannot agree a rational uh, corporate tax system that is fairer and along the grounds that you recommend, then it should not happen. It should not be mm-hmm. done by others because the elected governments won't do it. But, but Brennan, and that's not the problem, Tara. If you leave it to the, the Commission to do it and they arrive at the, the, the decisions that they arrive, doesn't that give you Brexit? Isn't that the net result of all of that? These kind of faceless bureaucrats that kind of make these decisions and ultimately when it goes back to the people, the people say, no, I want it done by the elected people. I agree with you. I think this, I can see this is a disastrous road. Um, you know, when you look at Europe, the way it's currently constructed, I don't think lo- in most countries in Europe, uh, certainly Ireland, the UK have shown it, the French have shown it too, where we you know we don't have great trust in their ability to come up with great policies. Um, I suppose when we joined, um, for a lot of Irish, I suppose the positives were that we were going to get this investment. Um, for, for me, the positives were it made Ireland look outwards rather than inwards. Um, it moved us in terms of our social agenda. Um, for a young person growing up, joining the European Union, I think it gave great opportunities. Um, I think that's still the case. But I think that the EU, when they sit down and try and interfere in things, the area I'd know more about is planning law. And, um, you know, they've 
they've been lobbied by the very big retailers to change, to get involved in planning law in countries. And once again, the same point that Eamon made, they, the EU bureaucrats don't think about social impact or environmental impact or uh, community. They just think about sort of competition in a sort of, um, you know, uh, academic I think, way. I think it is worth saying at this point that Ireland, to a large extent, is the author of its own misfortunes. The Irish corporate tax regime has got out of control over the last 15 years. This other thing of contract manufacturing, which probably doesn't come under EU law, I'm not certain, but where things are booked into Ireland that are made elsewhere, that is now reckoned to be worth 30 billion a year. Now, that was never part of the Irish government's plan or intention. Uh, it would developed by ingenuity of tax lawyers and all the rest of it. But the Irish government should have seen from 10, 15 years ago that this stuff you know, had to be monitored and controlled and some of it had to be struck down. And it's the fact that we have allowed this rampant tax avoidance uh, to concentrate in Ireland that has left us in this very vulnerable position. So I think the last five or six governments, maybe more, uh, have been guilty of whatever the tax lawyers come up with, sort of signing off to it in case something well, nasty happens. But of course, happens. our 12.5%, and, and it's got absolutely nothing to do with the 12.5%. Yeah, but, but it has been yeah. the attack of it. No, 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 that, that's, that's the thing. Ministers come out saying you're attacking our 12.5% because they don't explain why there's 30 billion of manufacturing so allocated to Ireland that doesn't take place. Yeah, they so can't true. explain why it's zero. So try, I pulled my hair out the last two days because uh, some, some minister got on about 12.5%. This has nothing to do with it. And, and, and I think Brendan so truly says the part of the problem is the complexity of understanding some of the other, uh, you know, how the, how the actual transfer pricing and how the tax structures work. And, and to explain, it's so much easier to say we'll defend our 12.5%. So what? It's not the story. The story is are we willing to defend those transfer pricing rules and these sort of tra- tax, um, offshore tax? arrangements, both the double Irish and this Apple type deal. And my mind, we should hold our hands and say, no, that's changing. We will still do well. We will still do better being at that connection point between the US and the rest of the world and Europe. Okay, and if, that if the 12.5% is not the issue, in five years' time, and I know you're, you're uh, crystal ball gazing, will that have changed in five years' time? No, the, my, question my five is, will. No, the question of five years' time is, no, I don't think, it, well, whether it does not, is not material. The question is, what sort of consolidated tax-based system, what sort of transfer pricing rules will be put in place? And will we continue on, on some of the other loop Will we close them firmly shut? And I think we should. And just before we finish on this, what do you make of that story in the Sunday Times that Bertie Hearn is saying, well, um, Cabinet never knew anything about tax arrangements that happened? Come out, I said, I was saying during the week one thing is uh, the Irish tax system is known for being transparent. It gets, if you, the international regulations look at it. And, and I, I think we, we should ultimately, we still defend ourselves in that we are a straight country, the rules are proper. Part of the straightness, from my experience, and I, there could be uh, different changes from this that I don't know, is that you don't get to know the major commercial details of companies as a minister. I didn't anyway as a minister, so I, um, I think that's proper. Were you surprised at that? Uh, well, no, in the sense, as Eamon has said, that the revenue, quite rightly, uh, does not reveal, even to ministers, perhaps especially to ministers, the affairs of individual companies. But, but the policy should. Exactly. Mm. Uh, it's, up, it's up to ministers to say, yeah. well, OK, that's all very well, but we have to know the effects of policy. That's what I said earlier. They've been asleep at this wheel for, for some years, and it didn't matter what happened, what you saw in the final figures. And, uh, you know, the, the 
the business of the of the, <laughs> those who smell a conspiracy uh, will say this comes just a few weeks after the European statisticians said actually our economy is a quarter bigger than we said it was. But whatever about all of that, when I'm going to the complexities, nobody could stand over how the Irish corporate tax system has evolved. Uh, and uh, so that that is, I think, where that issue comes in. But the fact that they wouldn't actually be told Apple's exact arrangements, that's not a surprise. But that doesn't mean they couldn't have done paid more attention, especially as the pressure built up over the last seven or eight years. Okay. You know, uh, They had to make some gestures, even if they're only gestures. And then we've got this ridiculous gesture that they're going to go after the vulture funds. Now, it's very, very irritating what the vulture funds are doing, but that has nothing whatsoever to do with the corporate oh, tax oh, regime. Oh, oh, okay. Do you mind if I flip it back to you? Because you were there. Yeah. You, know, you were in government buildings. I, 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 I know policymaking. No, role. but you get close enough You were to the policymakers, yes. Yeah, but you'd see stuff coming through. Yeah. Did you see anything where you thought we, we did know something? Well, I, but, but what I did see was I did see a tax on our 12.5%. That was a big ticket item at the from time. The French, for, from the French and the yeah. Germans and, yeah, yeah, that's and the true. Dutch. Oh, listen, they're not, listen, we uh, forgot. And there was this, there was the belief at the time that if that was eroded in any way, that it would have huge implications for a country who was that, well, that, that was already on, on their feet at the time. But that raises the fascinating thing that perhaps the French didn't understand it either, that they thought it was something to do with the 12.5%. We know now from the Apple arrangements that the 12.5% didn't even come into it. One last, <laughs> one, one last point for Canada, because also what, why, what were the American authorities doing? Because it was their tax laws that really did provide this. I think to a certain extent it suited the Americans to have big companies with big war chests out there. It, it actually strengthened their, their companies. So they turned a blind eye. And the real revelation this week is what Tim Cook said about that actually they haven't paid their American tax properly because they, they, he admitted that the costs ultimately were in the US company. But also, their R&D costs. But also the French and indeed, there's no European companies white as the driven snow, countries white as the driven snow. So maybe it suits everyone to play this game. It's all yeah, about it's really the, the headline well, well, really more than suited. This goes back to Franklin D. Roosevelt. This is American strategy at the it end is, of the yeah. Second World it's War. This was strategy. designed to enable American corporations well, this is to move around is, the world. That's quite, that's quite, no, that's, that's, is, quite, that's, that's on the going to clearly that's run and run. We're going to leave yeah. that one in now because I know it'll have ramifications into other stories we're going to discuss. We're still reviewing the Sunday papers with Eamon Ryan, Brendan Keane and Tarana Buckley. And I suppose really a link with the first story is uh, the Sunday Independent are telling us that ministers now believe that the budget is in jeopardy, that they believe Shane Ross, the Minister for Transport, is showboating. And uh, and uh, there's some very, very, very stern comments when, when the Independent Alliance, when they were asked to comment uh, on some remarks made by uh, Fianna Gael ministers, they said they're liars, in quotes and the thing. So is this the new politics, Eamon, or is it what we've got to get used to, or is it? I hope not. It is so different that we're finding no, difficult no, to get no, used to. No, 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 that's not what we need. We need New politics, which looks at the budget in advance rather than just after the fact. It's one of the opportunities. But isn't that happening now? We have budget subcommittee. But it it needs to be happening. Yes, we do, and it's meeting next week. It's meeting Tuesday and Wednesday, and it should and will be looking at this. Some of some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. Uh, and we should be looking at the options of how we spend our money and how we approach the, this whole tax issue in, in a more consensual, uh, collaborative way. Uh, and I think there's a possibility of doing that. I hope this parliament does last. I think it would suit the country better rather than what I look o- over to Spain, who are in a similar position. They're facing their third election within a year now. I don't think that would benefit well, this can country. It, can it last, really? Because look at it. We had you know, difficult... This is what, the, I suppose, the second big crisis that they've dealt with. And they're not much more than 100 days in government now. And... A lot of those days were spent deciding who was going to get into government, you know. No, so I'm, can it last? 
I don't know. I hope it, as I said, because I hope it does for the opportunity of strengthening the parliament, which is there's a real possibility of doing that. It may not last. It may. Uh, it may fall apart and if so we'll have an election Tara they're, they're throwing out the builders next week and bringing back the doll you know I, to decide you know, I, is that not a good thing oh and you know something when all of this broke last week you know I was I was thinking oh no are we back now is this going to end up being election time and what a disaster that would be for the country and then they told me that Shane Ross was coming on the Late Late Show so I thought oh this is going to be very interesting and to be honest with you uh, I felt a bit more that oh, this this could work. You know, he, he you know I thought that interview was very interesting. He um, ca- calming, reassuring. Well, uh, you know, he was much more calming and reassuring than I expected it to be. So, um, so I, I, I felt then that maybe there is a bit of realism between you know because let's be honest about it, those independents are the key in a way, and obviously then Fianna Fáil sitting watching what's happening, and I'm presuming that as soon as Fianna Fáil see the ducks in a row they're the ones who can pull the plug. So it won't really be the independents in government. It probably will be Fianna Fáil that pulled the plug on the on this doll. But, um, but I do think that it's in everyone's interest that we, we get a budget and that we, we try and move along and not start going back to the electorate. But isn't it everyone's interest that we move along smoothly without all these bumps in the road every time you go to the, to the car? Oh, well, absolutely. But in a way, this new politics, I, I, I'm a bit like um, Eamon. I think that this is an opportunity for more collaborative policy making. And uh, it's going to be interesting now because really we haven't had a chance yet. But there are bills coming up and it's going to be interesting now to see how this autumn term in the doll works. Will this budget committee, will we see a difference? Because sometimes we're a bit inclined to set up committees or set up forums and then completely ignore them. Brendan, when it comes to making a, the policy. A wily old owl who's been around a long time. What do you see? Yeah, well, what do someone, you make of it? Someone now passed on, but Dave goes, even predates me, the late great John Healy, wrote one time that if you find your backside on the seat of a ministerial murk, under no circumstances remove it voluntarily. Yeah. And that used to be the politician's mantra. And um, I'm inclined to think that... What we that, have, we hold. What we have, I mean, certainly, like, you know, some of the people in the present government will never be in government again when this one falls. Uh, so you would think uh, the first thing it says, right, I want this to is last Is that in the independent side of it or on the Fianna Gael side it, of it? It could be both, but certainly, on the, certainly in all probability on the independent side, you know, obviously it's a bit silly to be predicting the next election, but you know, that's a distinct possibility. At the very least, they can't be sure. But then I think the problem is, is, is kind of... Uh, uh, apart from politicians seem to me to be a bit amateurish nowadays, that as we, everybody around this table is around long enough to know that we learnt the hard way how to make coalitions work, and that is that you have quite a detailed programme between the parties with guaranteed red lines that each party knows it's going to get this much, yeah. and then after that there may be room. Now, the way in which this government was formed, that didn't really happen, and it's very like, you say, I go back a bit, it's very like the very first Fianna Foyle coalitions, which didn't work because nobody really knew how to do it properly, and it was all new, but they kind of learnt the hard way, and I think that's the difficulty. And I think it's not too late if this government wants to take John Healy's advice and uh, be, as Mary Harney said, it's the best place to be in office for as long as possible. They should sit down again now, and the budget is the opportunity to do it, and draw up a better, uh, more solid uh, programme for government between them, so that everybody knows where they stand, at least on the basics. And then you've got to 
deal with apples as they come along. Eamon, oh, uh, I, I, I couldn't accuse you of being a merc man, probably a bicycle <laughs> man when you had it, the government bicycle. Yeah, yeah. Would I, you take that advice, stay there? I would. I, I, by and large, I, I think uh, if you're in politics, uh, you have to some step up and, and government is tough, but it's also very rewarding, very interesting too. But can I just ask the question, just, Tara mentioned the Late Late Show, I didn't see it, but I just one thing I'd read somewhere that Minister Ross in a show described, I think, his, his time so far in the Department of Transport as a doddle. And I think, God help us, Shane, because... If, if we're at risk, if we're looking at our economy, like where is our risk from? And yes, you can look at this tax stuff. One of the big risks is that this city and our other cities are going to gridlock because we're facing capacity limits on our road network and we don't have sufficient public transport. And transport's at the key also to our getting our housing story right. So, And those two particularly, if we do not really quickly and really significantly improve our transport and housing system, that's going to what's going to send foreign direct investment away to other countries. They're going to say, listen, don't bother going to Dublin because you can't get around and you can't get a house. So I would my advice is those in office, get down get the houses built in the right places with the public transport at the same time. And that's not a doddle, but that's what we have to do. I put it to you as an observer, looking at this government since it started, you said, make the hard decisions, get on with it, drive through it. That seems to be the difficulty that's been encountered here, that the hard decisions, well, you know, they, th- they don't sit easy two, with two the things in that, And the reason why I emphasise budget and why I think two years, the real increase in capital spending will only really open up for a variety of different reasons, uh, I won't explain here, in 2019-2021. So to a certain extent, what we have to do in the next two years is work out where we want to spend it. And other key issues around how do we fund third level education and how do we manage our public health system much better. That's why you need consensus collaborative politics to spend a year or two actually, okay, where are we going to spend our money? In my mind, it would be in public transport, in housing, in an energy transition towards a clean economy and in and and in funding third level education and changing towards a universal health system. Even planning that would take a year or two, which is what's this parliament's job to do. Is that, is that what was on your wish list when Indus team approached you? Yeah, when he was of course. The government? That was it? Yeah. Do you think they're going to take any of it on board and transfer it to well, the rest? Well, one of the reasons why I like the way it's working at the moment is that you can't, from opposition, still collaborate with government. So I'll try and still be an influence in that regard, even if I'm, if I'm in opposition. But do you not see now that next week the fact that the doll is recalled this is a good thing you know even yes. though you don't agree with the decisions that's been made oh, there's kind of other strands oh, listen, associated with it listen there's no easy decisions in government like I'm not going to stand up and say oh that you know you, you haven't a clue There, it's a tough call I would call it the other way but uh, you recognise that in government you have to make difficult decisions so you try and influence it from opposition in, in a fairly honest way Can, can I just if, say to Eamon that um, I think that when Shane Ross was asked about the, the ministry position that he got that Enda Kenny told him that the transport was oh, going to be difficult but that the sport he's giving them the nice sport as well but as things have transpired <laughs> the transport was a doddle compared oh, to the sport so I think that's what you the, wish for yes. what, what, if you had a wish now and if you were going in you, I'm sure you will be making a submission what are you looking for in the next budget in the next budget, we're looking for, um, first of all, I'll tell you one thing that's a serious issue for um, retailers at the moment is insurance costs. So we've seen a lot of publicity around motor insurance, but you are looking at small businesses running one shop and they're paying a thousand euros a week in insurance premiums. Um, we're looking at ridiculous amount of claims in the, in, the, in the convenience grocery sector for slips, trips, falls, minor, you know, minor incidents getting very large payouts. So you would, you would concur with kind of the big uh, um, insurance companies that there needs to be nearly a kind of a, uh, a benchmark for those? We need to look at the, the amounts that are paid. We, we, we have much more expensive necks and arms and legs than they have in other European countries. We're giving much bigger payouts. Um, so we need to look at that. Everyone agrees that you need to have insurance for catastrophic incidents and for when somebody has an injury. But 
at the moment there are people who are abusing the system and it needs to be nipped in the bud. Um, the other areas that we're obviously very concerned about, um, we're concerned about town centre revitalisation and we need to look, a lot of our town centres and a lot of those issues that Eamon has talked about need to be addressed. It's about looking at the vacancy in town centres, getting people living back in town centres, so we're looking for incentives to get people living back in town centres, looking at the mix in the town and how we can address where towns have lost their banks where they've lost maybe the big hotel in the town or they've empty buildings in the town how we get those buildings repopulated used again how we increase the footfall in the town and bring the community together and use you know the use of the town does that go back to your complaint about planning originally well, yes, and I mean there are opportunities. We're, we're looking at the national planning framework is now being um, is being uh, put together, and that's going to be the plan for Ireland for the next twenty years. So I think anybody who's an interest, who lives here, works here, plays here, should be getting involved in that because that's setting out the blueprint for all of those issues: the transport policies, the the planning policies, um, and really the other thing that's interesting is now that our planners have to look at our economy as well. In the past, the planners looked at the plans, and others looked after the economy but now they realise that all of these issues are tied up together yeah. you know we have to get people moving around you know I, I saw a really interesting thing this year about uh, Vancouver and about turning itself into a green city Sorry. and it's absolutely fantastic if you really start thinking about your environment how people get from one place to the other bicycle lanes you know I mean I was down in Westport mm. and they did a plan why is Westport the best town in Ireland to live in because back in 2000 mm. they made a plan they have a great architect in charge of it all and they work together as a community and they really worked to make the town vibrant if to address I, I could, the issues because I, I, I couldn't agree more with what Tara's saying but there's one way I think we should and this is coming up as an opportunity in the new national spatial plan the previous one we did that planning thing it was top down where we said to kind of it didn't work we ignored it uh, this time I think there's an opportunity to actually go to cities, regions and down to towns as you say to ask Clare Morris, ask Tralee, ask every single old 8th and 19th century market towns how would you revitalise your town and bring life back into the centre to answer your, your your question. So throw it back to the communities rather than the government top down consulting where you've already got a, a preconceived notion of what the answer is to really put the question to our local people and local cities and towns how do you think your town is going to fit into a world in 20, 30 years time and that actually is the most important thing we have to do politically and it is better served when you have collaborative consensus politics rather than just fighting the, the usual uh, Ballymagash politics just knocking heads off so, each other. Oh, okay. My last ask in the budget is for um, a national programme of town centre health checks and they would lead to exactly what Eamon is talking about towns coming together looking exactly what the town is today what the vacancy rates are what the footfall is all of the issues to do with the town talking to the people who live there and work there and run businesses there I can imagine any minister will say to you before I go to the break will say to you well if it doesn't cost any money you can certainly have it but anyway we go to a break we're still reviewing the Sunday papers with Eamon Ryan Brendan Keane and Tara Buckley more to come in a moment one uh, article that stuck out for me is that Fianna Fáil are looking for changes in the rules regarding the cent- central bank rules about mortgage mortgage deposit. So I suppose the cynic in me would say, well, Fianna Fáil are looking for it, so it's going to happen. What would you think, Emma? I don't think Fianna Fáil talking up all the influence they have. I'm not so sure they have as much as they think they have, or they're, or they're spinning they have. Uh, I, I'm. You can but nevertheless, the, the, that is a problem. Yeah, but one of the benefits of what the central bank done is that the prices haven't risen, and that has saved everyone who has to buy. And we have to the real del- delicate balancing act. I think if we start interfering with what they've done, and we see prices rising, okay, in some ways it'd be easier to raise the money, but then you're having to raise more. 
And, and surely we've learnt from that. Surely we've learnt that it's not in our interest to have rising house prices. So I would, to be honest, I'd be very nervous about undermining the, the central bank yet in what they've done because I think it has, in, while it's difficult, it has actually kept prices down and that's helped everyone. Brendan? Yeah, well, uh, you're talking about influence, like the, the new governor, Philip, Professor Philip Lane, has really stressed the central bank's independence. Uh, so um, the government cannot of itself, no matter who's in it, change that. Nevertheless, he has asked for these submissions and uh, I dare say some changes will be coming. But his problem is exactly the one that Eamon has mentioned with a serious shortage of houses then uh, in a free market, uh, only those who are either very well off or are prepared to borrow excessively will get houses. So you're you're into a rationing situation. There's no escaping that until we've more houses. And uh, But nevertheless, one of the interesting things in the submissions, I just wonder how we'd feel about it, is that people's rental records might be taken into yeah. account. You have the deposit, which everybody talks about, but you also have the loan to but value. But just to explain that to, loan Peter, to, income. To, to the listener, that, that, you know, that, that Fianna Fáil are suggesting that that if you could prove and, and so that you could so pay rental for two or three so years. So the Labour Party yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. So what they're, what they're sort of saying is when, when you're looking at the kind of capacity to service the mortgage, the, the, the income side, uh, you know, if you see that people, uh, you know, have been paying a rent that's as big or bigger, uh, maybe that you could cut them a bit of slack. But, you know, we have to come back to the basic point that as things stand, a lot of people are not going to be able to get a house either to buy or to rent. And, you know, progress is very slow on doing something about that. But isn't that kind of becomes a societal issue, whereas central bank is about an economy, you know, government is about kind of a society. And that's where the two two cross. And that's where Fianna Fáil and Labour are now coming in. Yeah, but the the difficulty is, you know, and the difficulty that can't be solved by any of this is to build more houses. And, you know, there are lots of reasons why it's happening slowly but you know I think it's it is an emergency on such a scale that uh, in fact uh, something even more drastic than what has been done before is is necessary and and it's going to take a, too what, long what 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 would that be uh, you what know, would that it, look it, like? well, my my favourite would be, uh, um, you know, either a forty percent windfall tax or even confiscation. Uh, at market prices of development land that the government thinks should be developed, you know. I would also look around to see if 10,000 Turkish workers could be found to build houses, same as we got them to build the roads. And the ho- once you hear the howls of protest, you know that something's being done. The fact that there's no howls of protest, except for those who are homeless, suggests that actually we're not getting very far. Before we finish on this, Eamon, you were at no. an electric picnic yesterday. I was. Enjoy it. I loved it. it was Is it more a Green Party thing now than, say, going to the Ploughing Championships? No, I know too what I'm looking forward to going to the Ploughing Championships next week. I went to the recent years and one of the things we did in the Ploughing Championships is just stood in the, with the agreement of the organisers who were very capable and stood in the middle of a field and pass, stopped people passing by and asked simple questions. What do you think is happening in farming? Where do you think it's going? Would you have any advice for the Green Party? That was the best thing I've ever done. That was better than the lecture picnic actually because it was, you, you learn a lot. You learn more entertaining, I'll bet you. <laughs> <It was too. laughs> yeah, do you. Are you taking a stall at it? or no, like no, the fall and no, 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 we can't afford that. But we go along and just with a clipboard and stand there and just stop stop and talk to people. That's actually better and probably better than anything in electric picnic. You, didn't, you weren't one of the people, six people I understand, used this, the lake that they, artificial lake that they had yesterday. It was, there was, an, there was a, it was getting a bit like the psalm in the morning. It was fairly wet and fairly, fairly tough when I, I was, I was just there yesterday. It wasn't, your, your mind wasn't towards swimming. It was, it was, it was, it was <laughs> swimming through a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Did you stay in a tent? 
Eamon no, last no, night. I, no, I just went down for the day. <laughs> I, I stayed in the town getting too old. Tara, you didn't go. No, no, I went a few years ago and I actually, I was very lucky. I was uh, I was working for RTE at the time and I uh, we were doing the Savvy Women. So I actually was put up in a hotel and brought mm. into the... <laughs> and I thought, this is fantastic. Maybe I'll stay in a tent. And then it lashed rain in the afternoon yeah, and said, what, thank what, God what, I'm not staying in a tent. What is it about festivals? There hadn't been any serious rain in this part of the country for eight weeks. Yeah, as soon as a festival yeah. down, it pours. Yeah, yeah, but just, I suppose the veterans will be mentioning Listum Varna and places like that but anyway we'll leave it at that my thanks to my guests Eamon Buckley uh, Eamon Ryan Tara Buckley and Brendan Keenan thank you all for that